श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद भागवतम की जय prayers of indra and krishna's giving blessings to him and then the travels to uh ambika they travel there and nandamarja is kidnapped by the uh, varuna's agents and so forth and then it's followed by the rasalila chapter 29 but actually the gorodan lila is, takes place in kartik radhika's month and that is followed by agrahayana winter time hemant and this gopivastaharana takes place in at, at that time so you should i just bring this up because sometimes the chapters of the bhagavatam 10th canto they're not in chronological order sukadev goswami is speaking them according to his own power his ecstasy but our charges have gone in some instances sanatan gosami prabhu in particular sought to demonstrate the chronology of the events better for us and to give this explanation how the devotees uh, who speak about krishna may move from one place to another not necessarily chronologically but according to how what they say strikes their heart and causes some spiritual emotion to manifest So at the end of this chapter Gopi Vastraharana Leela there's an introduction to the next chapter which is the again the the chapter in which Krishna gives the blessings to the yagnik brahmans the wives of the brahmans who were performing whose husbands were performing sacrifice were involved in rituals but didn't understand their import the purport of the rituals all worship really is for Krishna intended for him even if we worship the different devatas and so forth they're only empowered to accept our worship and give a blessing by krishna so ultimately they're agents of krishna so all worship is meant for him but these fellows they didn't understand that so their worship was more or less useless and their wives on the other hand they understood you know the story that krishna sent his friends they felt some hunger the reason is because on this particular day Usually there's a rendezvous in Krishna Leela for lunch. Some arrangement is made and some gopi brings some delicious items from home. But Krishna managed to take the boys on such a a journey that uh, he he made it such that that rendezvous couldn't take place. And they are so attached to him, his friends, that they of course identify with everything that he's experiencing so krishna began to experience transcendental hunger and so they said we're hungry you see it's very you have to understand the little bit of philosophy to understand what's going on in krishna lila otherwise it looks like these cowards they're hungry they say we're hungry krishna uh, can you get us any food provide anything for us they're supposed to be serving krishna and krishna's not, uh, and they're asking krishna to feed them but they're in love with krishna and that love forges a kind of bond of identity so krishna's hungry they're voicing that they're hungry and krishna makes an arrangement he sends them to talk to the to the brahmans and ask for some food during their yagya which involves many preparations krishna is of course teaching many things at the same time so This section I'm going to read from introduces that chapter. It, it takes place deep in the forest away from where the uh, Krishna was residing, just on the border really of Mathura. So they were close enough or far to Mathura and far enough from home that he would recommend to them, "Let's go to Mathura. The, there are these yogi uh, Brahmins are performing sacrifice." So, 
It says, Bhagavatam says, Atha Gopai Paribrito Bhagavan Devaki Sutta Vrindavan Adgato Duram Charayan Ga Sahagraja. Oh, so it starts a new section. This is the end of the Gopi Vastraharana Lila where Krishna stole the garments of the gopis. And the whole means, well, on another day, it's in the same chapter, but on another day, Krishna, Gopai Parivrito, he's surrounded by his gopas, by his friends, on all sides. Whenever Krishna goes into the forest, as he does every morning, and Mother Yasoda is making arrangement, placing different boys, Balaram in the, in, in the front, and Sridham on the right, and this way she appoints different cowherds to surround him, to protect him on all sides. And of course, it means that he's in the center, surrounded on all sides by his devotees. Bhagavan Devaki Sutta. So the Lord, who is the son of Devaki, Devaki is also another name for Jashoda. So it doesn't necessarily refer to Devaki of Mathura. This is mentioned in Puranas. Vrindavanad. Duram. So from Brindavan, Duram, they were very far. It means they were, as I say, close, right, close to Mathura. Charayanga Sahagraja. And what were they doing? The Charan, Gocharan. They were grazing the cows. Then Nidaghar Kotope Tigme Chayabi Swa Vir Atmanaha. So here is mentioned it is in the summertime. Nigada means nidagha. Nidagha means uh, it's hot season. So as I mentioned, this is a different time. It happened in Agrahayan in the winter time. Gopi Vastraharana Lila. So then we're moving to to the summer. Then what will follow is the next fall, which is the Sarat. Purnim and Rasalila. This is the chronology. So it's in hot season, and the arc of the ray of the sun, Atope, Tigme, is very fierce. And those of you who spent some time in Vrindavan know that in the summertime it can get very, very hot. So hot. And so they needed what? What do you need in the, in the sun? You need some shade. So, Chayobi. Chayavi Swabir Atmanaha. Krishna is Atmana, the self. And for him, some shade was provided. Atapatraitan Viksha, Druman Aha By the trees. By their tall, strong, big trees. They cast a shadow and provided shade for Krishna, like, and his friends, like an umbrella. So previous to this discussion, I recommended that you go and see those big trees. How many of you went? And those who didn't go probably have seen them before. But uh, you might have thought I was recommending some sightseeing in the area. And uh, that's also all right to some extent. But we should be a little careful about sightseeing. We should have our sights focused. We don't want to go kram vikram, step by step. We don't want to be a sanishta bhakta. A Sanishta Bhakti means he wants to go back to God, but he wants to go a little slowly and see things along the way, fascinated by Krishna's creation. But someone who's seen the creation for what it is, in one sense, its naked form, not interested in investigating all the details, even though it's related to Krishna, want to go to Krishna directly. So we should have our sights focused. Bhagavad Gita Krishna says, Vyabasayatmika buddhrekeha kurunandana bhushaka hyanantas. So, bhushaka hyanantas means those whose minds are not fixed, they have many things on their mind. They are splayed out. They cannot be focused. To go back to Godhead, you have to be focused on that. This is your aim. It has to come to the point in our life where we become one-minded about this. At that point, you'll be successful. It is sometimes said that you cannot go back to God in one life, one lifetime. You might have heard that. But I say, in one lifetime, you will go back to God. In one lifetime. Do you understand? 
one of these lifetimes. So, <laughs> so when you start thinking of this lifetime, that lifetime, when, it, when that many lifetimes like that, <laughs> then you'll go back to Godhead. So we have to come to this point of being fixed on the goal, Krishna Prem. This is the most important thing, most valuable thing. Have to have it. And what will help us most in this regard is keeping company of, of people who think like that. Then now we constantly get our prior, priorities reorganized. So sadhu sangha is so valuable for us. This is the most important thing for us. Until we become a sadhu, and then we become sangha for others. So, to see the trees, but yes, uh, they are powerful manifestations of uh, of nature. So, for example, so how shall we think about that? If we see a powerful manifestation of material nature, we become awed by that. We become somewhat humbled by that. In tenth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, it is called Vibhuti Yoga. So, after explaining many high things, Arjuna tries to bring Krishna down, so that he continue to, can continue to speak Bhagavad Gita. After ninth chapter, Krishna has begun to speak about his devotees. He becomes very emotional. He says many wonderful things about them. He says, even if they commit a fault, there's no fault in them. And anyone who glorifies their faults, he says, he becomes faultless. Like faults of the gopis for leaving their husbands. Apparent faults, not real faults. Krishna says, anybody that glorifies those faults, he, he becomes glorious. This way he becomes very emotional. And he says, Just become my devotee, think of me. Just give namaskar to me. This is what I'm talking about in Bhagavad Gita. This is my, my message. That is actually the conclusion of Bhagavad Gita. Therefore it's re- repeated, reiterated at the end. Krishna says the same thing. And the tenth canto begins and Krishna carries on and and... And there he speaks what Vishwanda Chakravarti Thakur has called the Chatur Shlok of Bhagavad Gita. And Krishna goes deep into the idea of bhakti. And his mind is taken to, to Braj, to Vrindavan, that kind of bhakti. And if he goes there too far, he cannot continue to speak Bhagavad Gita. To speak Bhagavad Gita, Krishna has to be a little more aware of his godhood. But in Braj he forgets that he's, he's God by the arrangement of Yogamaya like a shadow following him everywhere, according to his desire, before it manifests, she's there to arrange. Just she understands him so well. She makes the arrangement. He loses his sense of godhood and the lila can carry on in intimacy. So Arjun has to say something to kind of bring him down. So he's been ta- he had talked about his greatness. So Arjun asked for some practical explanation, how to see him everywhere in the world, as God. And so that Vibhuti Yoga then begins and Krishna says, uh, of ocean, bodies of water, I am the ocean. Of immovable things, I am the Himalaya. Of mountains, I am Meru. And what is happening in that chapter is that Krishna is speaking about powerful manifestations of material nature and identifying himself with those things. He's saying, at the end he said, Yat yat vibhuti mat sattvam srimad ujitam evava. He said, anyway, I've mentioned so many things. It's not just those things. He said, but all things in this world that are beautiful and powerful, know them to be manifestations of myself that are to remind you of my, my presence and your insignificance, your smallness and uh, your dependence upon me. So when you go and see that whole forest full of big redwoods, you should feel a little small and think, uh, in Mendocino of trees, I am the redwood, <laughs> Krishna would have said. And as at that verse I'm quoting from the end of the 10th chapter, is more or less he's saying that. You can extrapolate from here. I've said so many things, but I, I can't say everything. You can extrapolate from here. Understand the principle. Mighty and powerful manifestations of material nature, they should remind you of me and my power. This is how we are to think in a basic way in God consciousness. Not just for sightseeing. I sent you there to 
See if you could think like this. Or if you couldn't, then we are now. We talk about it. And trees also now are a, a metaphor that's been used by Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to teach us things about devotion, about the nature of the world and about devotion. So we live in a van, in a forest. There are so many trees. Sleeping under a tree tonight, all of us, like Gosamis. We slept under a different tree every night, we hear. No attachment to hearth and home. So it's worth speaking about some of these incidences or these uh, times in the places in the scripture where the tree is used to help us understand about Krishna consciousness. Now we mostly live in the cities, so it may seem irrelevant, but when we come here then we get closer to nature and Krishna is also God of the forest. He lived in the forest, Vrindavan, so... Uh, and the rishis live in the forest. So the, the, these metaphors from the forest are coming in the scripture. It's, it's understandable. Here in this section, Krishna says now what the, it is described here by Sukadeva that uh, in the sun's heat, he's giving the narrative that the trees provided like a shade of an umbrella for Krishna and his friends, surrounded by all of them as he was. Hey, Stoka Krishna, hey, Angso, Sridaman Subalarjuna, Vishala Vrishabha Jasvin Deva Prasta Varutapa Pashataitan Mahabhagan Parartaikanta Jivitan Vatta Varshatapa Himan Sahanto Varayantinaha. So, surrounded by his friends, and here, as we heard in the first verse, and here is the practical uh, description of that. He Stok Krishna, He Angso, Sidaman Subalarjuna. Vishala Vishabhojasvin Deva Pasta Varatupa. Says the ten cowherds are mentioned here, and the four sections are represented. We have uh, Surit, Saka, Priyasaka, Priyanarma Saka, four kinds of Krishna's friends. And they are Keval and Sankul in terms of their friendly love. Keval means what? Exclusive. So one sector is exclusively friends. Of Krishna, other three sectors, sankul means their friendship is mixed. How is it mixed? Surit means what? Surit, well-wisher, that kind of friend. Like Prabhupada used to sign his letter, Nitya Surit, you are ever well-wisher. Surit is a kind of friend who has, who is a friend, but has some well-wishing capacity. Means superior, little older than Krishna. Like Guru is like that, friend and well-wisher. Some friendship mixed with some vatsalya. There is no particular friend of Krishna in this verse mentioned from that group, but he's represented there. Why? Because the best of that group is with him always. Who is that? Balaram. And then amongst the Sakas, ordinary friends, then uh, uh, there is here Ojasi, Vishala, Devaprastha, Barutapa, from this section, and their friendship is mixed with service. So they're younger boys. So some dasya bhakti. Now, one side is, like I gave example of uh, the suhrit, like a guru, and the other side, sakha, like disciple. Friend of the guru, but his friendship mixed with service, tempered with service. Uh, what is the best example? Arjun. He is a friend, of course, he's a city friend, Purasambandi. These are Brajasambandi, friends from the Braj. So there's, they have more intimacy. But anyway, intimacy, friendship mixed with servitude. Oh, they'll carry Krishna's stick and carry a drinking jug on the head going for the picnic. If Mother Yasoda gives any picnic lunch to carry that along, another paraphernalia, this is their service. And then, Priyasaka. Priyasaka is Keval, pure friendship only. Vishrumba. No sense of any difference between Krishna and themselves. They will wrestle him down, defeat him in wrestling. He will have to carry them on his shoulders. So they are mentioned here. Stoka, Krishna, Angsha, Sridam, the most prominent of them. And then the fourth sect, Priyanarmasaka. Very special friends 
of Krishna, and their friendship is mixed with Madhurya. We're mixed with the gopi love. Subala, Arjun, this is another Arjun, Arjun of Braj, mentioned here, both of them. These are prominent members of that group. And they, their speciality is, of course, very close, dear friend to Krishna, and their speciality is they always seem to be whispering something in Krishna's ear, some secret, something confidential. What could it be? Oh, some message from the gopi group that they're also, also associated with. In Krishna's presence, then, they are with gopis, they are often there, like Madhu Mangal in the dramas uh, in, in Vidagda of, of Rupa Goswami. In um, Mukta Charit of Raghunathas Goswami, Subal, Madhu Mangal are there. There are also four friends of Krishna from the Priyasaka group. Means uh, Sridam, Sudam, Vasudam, and Kinkini. These are special friends in the friendly group. They are described in the Tantra, Gotamiya Tantra, as being Krishna's mind, his intelligence, his ego, his heart, manifestations, external manifestations of these aspects of Krishna. So there means they're with him always, even in those affairs with the gopis. But they don't, they don't get involved. They don't participate. But the Priyasakas, Priyanarmasakas, they do, like Subal. And so they're whispering things in Krishna's ear and in the company of the gopis when there's always some argument between Krishna and the gopis always they're always taking the side of Krishna but when Krishna's not present then they're always taking the side of the gopi group that they're associated with so in this way there are different kinds of friends all of them are represented here in this verse and all surrounding Krishna means there's ten of them that means in all ten directions they're representing all ten directions and they also represent the yoga pit the center, from the point of view of the Sakyarasa, the center, Krishna and Balaram in the center, and then of the lotus, and then our four gates on the west, on the north, on the east, and on the south. Sridam is on the west, and Sudam on the east, Vasudam on the north, or, or east, excuse me, north, Sudam, east, Vasudam, south, Kinkini, that four gates, and inside the gates there's a lotus, and there are eight petals. Subal is there, and uh, Arjun mentioned there, Vishal, Vishab, Angsu, all mentioned there. In some places the description is a little different. Sometimes Badrasena is mentioned there, or Devaprastha, or Devaprastha is mentioned here. Mahabal, another friend of Krishna. So some different descriptions. In this way it means... Krishna is surrounded in this way. And as I say also, it means all ten directions. It means what Krishna is going to speak about here should be broadcast in all ten directions, everywhere. He's speaking this in the company of his friends. And he's saying, what, what, implying what I'm saying here, this should be broadcasted everywhere. And what is he saying? He's, what he's talking about, he's using a metaphor to explain what he wants to say to us. So he says that just see just look and see these trees and how fortunate they are. Now, that he's saying the trees are fortunate. Why? Because parartha, ekanta, jivitan. Because their jiva, their life, is simply dedicated to others. This is how we become fortunate. Not by trying to acquire for ourselves. We become fortunate and wealthy and rich, but by giving to others. This is the whole secret of life. It's so simple, and we know it. It's like, oh, I know that. But we don't we don't uh, unlock that that secret, that treasure, and apply it in our life. But this is the teaching. Krishna is saying here that the more our lives are dedicated for others rather than for ourselves, the more fortunate we become, the more wealthy we become. I heard one one uh, sannyasi once said that if we want to know what is Goloka Vrindavan, then go to the Howrah train station, or any train station in India, but Howrah station in Calcutta is, is particularly bad. So how can we understand what is Goloka Vrindavan by going to the Howrah train station? What happens at the train station when the train pulls up in India? Rush. Everybody's going, me first, me first. 
And Goloka is just the opposite of that. Oh, you first. No, you first. Now, can you imagine? The train pulls up, and and, in India, everybody says, you go first. No, no, you go first. (laughs) Unimaginable. (laughs) That is Goloka. Such a thing could exist. Everybody giving you first, and everybody going. The conductor gets off the train and says, I'm stay here. (laughs) No need to go anywhere. This kind of atmosphere, no need for the train. We don't have to go anywhere. If we start to give, and give practically all the time, and every opportunity that arises in our everyday, daily life, we should be practical about this. Yes, we should give to the center. We should give to Krishna. But Krishna is also everywhere, in all ten directions, (laughs) in everything. We should try to see like that. As I say, I didn't send you that forest just for looking at trees, but for looking for Krishna, to try to see Krishna. So you should try to see Krishna practically in everyday life. Don't be Kanishta Adhikari. Just have some information. And then just regurgitate that information with pride, as if you know something, you're better than other people, and think that you've gone somewhere when you haven't. Try to take the information and let it go into your heart and change your heart. This is what we want. And we should see incrementally if that change is going. It doesn't matter how many rounds you chant, how many books you read, how many secret things you know in your head that other people don't know, how much your heart changes, how you relate to other people, other devotees. Mahaprabhu is Mahavadanayavatar, most magnanimous. means he's the most generous manifestation of Krishna. And we are all his servants, and we have very little generosity even for one another sometimes. So this is at the heart. This is our Savior. We say Bhagavatam is the heart of Krishna. Why? Because it's all about Radha, if you look carefully. And Radha is the compassionate nature of Krishna. When Krishna searches after the heart of Radha, what happens? He becomes Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he becomes the most magnanimous avatar. Only giving, and giving the highest thing to who? The most unqualified people. And we're always looking for the qualifications of people. Mahaprabhu didn't look for any qualification. Mahaprabhu had a problem. How to give this out? How to give it out to everybody? How to get it everywhere? In fact, here in this section we see the next verse Mahaprabhu himself has quoted in Chaitanya Charitamrita through the pen of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, citing his predicament. How to give the fruits of love of God to everyone. What is he doing, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? He's calling for help. Here Krishna says, Oh, these uh, trees, their lives are perfect. They're very fortunate because they're completely dedicated to the benefit of others. Even while tolerating the wind and the rain, the heat, the snow, they protect us from these elements. You know, Mahaprabhu gave the example of the tree in his famous Shikshastakam, Tarara Hishnuna. You should be more tolerant than the tree. Even we cut down the tree in the heat of the summer, it provides shade for us to do so and doesn't complain. We are complaining all the time about everything. We always have some complaint. We have some complaint about the environment. That's why it's nice when you come to a place like this. We live in the city. There are many things going on and life is very busy. And so we find many things in the environment to complain about. Oh, that guy's driving too fast. He's going too slow. The person behind the counter is not sharp enough for me. <laughs> I got so many things to complain about. But when, you, when we come here, then there's not much going on. <laughs> and Swami says, sit, be quiet. Don't just do something, sit there. Sit there, like we said last night. Sit and be quiet. And then what happens is you hear your mind and you realize... Oh, this is what I should be complaining about. It's my mind I should be complaining about. It's not out there. It's my mind. There's nobody here but my mind with me. And I'm uncomfortable. Ah, it's my mind. I have to deal with that. It's not dealt with just by coming here. But at least it's reinforced. We know this this is what the task is all about. This is what yoga is about. So trees, so tolerant. Mahaprabhu said we should be like that. No complaints. They don't complain when it's cold. But when we complain, because it's cold, if we stand next to the tree, the tree gives us some warmth. If we complain that it's too hot, we stand next to the tree, gives us some shade. 
He's also standing in the heat, no complaining, but giving a shade. This is the example Mahaprabhu has given for us for tolerance, like a tree. I've said before, Mahaprabhu said we should be humble like grass, tolerant like the tree. And we are walking on the grass, seeing trees all the time, and this never comes to our mind. We never think about it practically. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, once looking at the tree, the tree said to him, why aren't you tolerant? The grass said to him, why aren't you humble? In other words, the world comes alive to one who has Krishna consciousness. The tree, the black grass, the guru manifests as the tree, as the grass, as the environment. The world is speaking to us. It's not independent of Krishna. It's speaking to us all the time, but we're not hearing the message. Mahaprabhu could hear it. It is said, Atmavatmanate Jagat. One thinks others to be like himself. When one's heart is steeped in love of God, then he feels like I have no love of God. Because why? We're infinitesimal, very small, and Krishna is infinite, God. So the closer we get to the infinite, what happens? The more we realize what is infinite, oh my God, so great, so, so we feel so small. As much as we are separated from the infinite and living in our infinitesimal consciousness, we think we're pretty big and we're important. But the closer we actually get to God, we think, oh my God, I am so small, I am so insignificant. So great devotees feeling like that, they feel, I'm not a devotee. Mahaprabhu said, You cannot find even a, a scent of love of God in me. If I had love, how could I go on living separate from Krishna, maintaining my life, my bodily habits. Proof that I'm doing these things means I have no love for Krishna. This is how he thought. And what were those habits? Eating, taking a bath, taking rest. What are our habits? Huh, we're unmentionable sometimes. We're not prepared to give them up. But we have some information about Krishna. We think I'm devotee of Krishna. Just see. I'm ready to tell other people. They should be devotees. And Mahaprabhu was thinking, my habit of eating... Spending time on this is the proof that I have no love for Krishna because I'm making time just to maintain his body. So how much love he had. And in this way, the world talked to him. He saw, I have no humility. Look at the grass. It's bending down. I step on it. It just bends over. It never says anything. The tree is standing, tolerating, never complains. Why can't I be like this? This way, the world is, is, is actually speaking to all of us, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard it. And one person hears it and talks about it, you know, we have, we have a chance to understand our environment for what it is and thereby what our prospect is, what hope we have in life. So we're so encouraged by Mahaprabhu's statement, even though it's a strong statement. Sometimes in Bengal, there's, it said, I wanted to be a follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But then I heard this sloka, and I knew, oh, it's not possible. Verse means what? Be more humble than a blade of grass, more tolerant than a tree. So I like, I like to say, we like to hear sometimes very nice things, very high things. It's very charming, very beautiful. Yes. But when it, we talk about how to attain those things, then we find we have something else to do. I'm busy now, because that is uh, a little painful. Love has at its foundation sacrifice. Love is, as I many times said, about giving. That's what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that's what Krishna is talking about here, giving, not getting. These trees are living only for giving. They're not thinking about getting. So he says, see this example. Their lives are fortunate because they live only for the sake of others. And then he says, Oho esham varam janma sarva prani upajivanam sujanas yeva yesham vai vimukha yanti just see how these trees are maintaining every living entity. Their birth is successful. Not only successful, but baram janma. They have a superior birth. We think the trees have a low birth. And Krishna is saying, they have a high birth. Just see. Of course, he's also in Vrindavan. So the secret also here is he's also talking about Vrindavan trees. We go to Vrindavan and we come back. The trees are always there. All the inanimate features of the temple, of the ashram, they have a better position than us. And Vrindavan is also, of course, a plane of consciousness. We can make Vrindavan manifest here. The ashram, 
where spiritual activities are taking place, that is like a satellite of the Dham. And those inanimate, uh, non-moving, like trees, are non-moving in the Vedic language, living entities. They're not going anywhere. Well, can we say that about ourselves? I hope we hope to say that if we live here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. Guvinda Maharaj, Maharaj, the successor of Sridhar Maharaj's Chichetana Saraswatamapt and its branches, he used to say that when he was a young man and living at the ashram, Chichetana Saraswatamapt, the Mapt of Sridhar Maharaj and Navadweep, that sometimes they were so poor that they couldn't get enough rice to go around. And rice is everywhere in Bengal. So greatness of devotees is not necessarily measured by how much money they have, how many buildings they have, how many followers they have. Sridhar Maharaj was a great Mahabhagata, that he could sit and not have enough rice and not complain about it. <laughs> that says something. But Govinda Maharaj could hardly tolerate it, he said. I could hardly tolerate it. And so many times. And Govinda Maharaj, if you don't, he's a manager. He has a manager's mind. Sridhar Maharaj was not of a manager's mind. He was a very Brahminical mind. So... That means abstract thinking and uh, sometimes impractical. And Gurudev was a practical helper, arranging, organizing. Just like so many people eventually came to Siddhamarsh and got his shelter, and Gurudev was very much instrumental in that. We owe a debt to him for that that he organized in that way. And he wanted to see temples for Siddhamarsh. Siddhamarsh didn't have the temperament to start temples. He'd worry about them, hmm? how they'd be maintained. So. Anyway, in his practical he, mind as a manager would think about how to change things. <laughs> you change the situation here. <laughs> but uh, there wasn't much to change. There wasn't, Sridhar uh, Marsh had various policies. and uh, So anyway, he used to say that I used to go, sometimes at the height of my frustration, I would go and, and I would ask the trees in the dam, in the moth, in the ashram, if you give me permission to go, I will go. I, I'm, I, I'm at my wit's end, but I won't go without your permission. And, of course, they never gave permission. They didn't give them permission. point is, uh, a number of points, but one point is that they are there. The trees aren't going anywhere. So all these things, immovable things in the moth, in the ashram, those who live in the ashram, visit the ashram, they think, oh, these are very high. So Krishna is saying that high birth... They're Vrindavan trees. They're not going anywhere. They're staying there. We might, we might go. We might, our mind might carry us somewhere else, but they're staying there. So then we, they become worshipable objects for us. This way, if we can develop this kind of Krishna consciousness, then the whole Dham, the, the ashram, the mat becomes alive. It's a spiritual place, promoting worship at every step. So just see, he said, these trees, how they're maintaining other living beings. Their birth is successful. Their behavior is that of, like that of great personalities. For anyone who asks anything from a tree never goes away disappointed. He means here like, they're like great kings because if you go to a king, he'll, he'll, he has the power to fulfill your desire. So the secret here, of course, in this verse, one secret is that he's talking about Kalpa Riksh of Vrindavan. He's in Vrindavan, in the Braj. So these are special trees. But these trees, as I'm saying, they can be all around us here if our activities all around are fully spiritual. Trees I sent you to see today, they were here when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was here. It said when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was here, everyone got liberated. So they must be Jivan Mukta. They're still in their body, but standing, liberated. It will not be harmful for us to think like this and go to Big Hendi and <laughs> have the darshan of those trees. Kalpa Riksh means uh, wish-fulfilling tree. So Krishna is saying, you go to this tree and you can have any any wish fulfilled. So you think this is a great opulence. There's a place, it has trees. You can tell people in San Francisco, there's a place in Mendocino, there are trees there, and you can go and ask them for whatever you want, and they will give it to you. Well, people will come like anything. <laughs> but it's not so easy to come here. We give bad directions. <laughs> no, sign. <laughs> no sign. We take the road signs down. We have to travel through the fog. Long distance. <laughs> not so easy. And not so easy to go to Vrindavan and find those trees. And what is the real opulence of that place? 
Srupa Damodar Goswami was engaged by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in a debate with Sri, uh, Srivas, Srivas Thakur in Puri. After Rati Yatra, then there's the Her uh, Panchami. So the goddess is brought out in Puri. So Mahaprabhu said, oh, just see Srivas uh, Swarup Damodar, the opulence of Srivas's goddess. Srivas is uh, like Narada Muni, so the goddess of Lakshmi, opulent in every way, overtly. So Mahaprabhu promoted a, a, a kind of playful debate between the Vrindavan side and and Vaikuntha uh, side. Just see the opulence of uh, Sri See the opulence of Shivas's goddess. She's coming out chastising Jagannath, and uh, Sri Damodar replies, "Oh, yeah, she knows nothing about it, about opulence. Let me tell you about Vrindavan." He began to speak about Vrindavan, the opulence of Vrindavan. And he says, Oh, there, there are cult riksha, kamdenu, wish-fulfilling cows and trees. But then he goes on, he says, But the wonderful thing about them is that from those cows you can get anything. From those trees you can get anything. But the people who live there, they don't want anything. What kind of place is that? So, amikichu chayna, amikichu chayna. Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, Hari Ram, Hari Ram, Ram Ram, Hari Hari. When we can say, I don't want anything, I don't want anything. Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, Hari Ram, Hari Ram, Ram Ram, Hari Hari. What we have then, <laughs> what wealth. So those trees manifest at that time. And they say, whatever you want, you can have. And they say, I don't want anything. That is the idea. That is the opulence of the place. That the trees could, they could give anything. But the people who live there, they don't want anything. What do they have? How valuable is that Krishna Prem? So valuable. Here Krishna says, this verse that we have just recited, Mahaprabhu quoted this verse. As I said, through the pen of Krishna Kaviraj Goswami. And text 35 as well. Text 34 says, Patra, Pushpa, Palachaya, Mula, Balkala, Darubi, Gandha, Niryas, Basmasti, Tokmai, Kaman, Vitanvate. So, so many things are mentioned from the trees that they give. They fulfill one's desires with their leaves, their flowers, their fruits, their shade, their root, their bark, their wood, and also their fragrance, sap, ashes, pulp, and shoots. Everything about them, Krishna is saying, is usable in human society. And if you want it, no complaint. Just take it. Take it. And from the, from the wood, you can build a house, you can make a bridge, you can, what you can do with wood. So many things. And with the sap, and with the leaves, and the bark, you can make clothes, and... He's saying they give all things, all things that you need. Some things we don't need. But whatever you need, the tree can give. Some fruits, some food, some bark for clothing, and wood for making some structure, all the basic things that you need. So giving whatever you need. But we have needs that aren't, we don't require, anarthas. So those should be retired. We should ask the trees, help me with this. Not to get something, but to get rid of them, my anarthas. So then this verse, next verse coming, Mahaprabhu also chanted this verse. Etavaj janma saphalyam dehinam ihadehishu pranayar artayar dhiyavacha Sreya Acharanam Sada. It is the duty of every living being to perform welfare activities for the benefit of others with his life, wealth, intelligence, and words. Thus, moving among the trees, whose branches were bent low by their abundance of twigs, fruits, flowers, and leaves, Lord Krishna came to the Jamuna. So, how did Mahaprabhu quote these verses? Two of these verses from this chapter? In Adi Lila, chapter 9. At the end of chapter 8, Krishna Kaviraj Goswami explained how he came to write Chaitanya Charitamrita. In chapter 7, he explained the significance of the Panchatattva and Gadadhar Pandit. In chapter 6, he explained the glories of Advaita. In chapter 5, he explained the glories of Nityananda Prabhu. In chapter 4, he explained the significance, the internal significance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent. In chapter 3, the external significance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent. In chapter 2, explain the significance of Krishna's position as Swayam Bhagavan and the fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna. He explained that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is 
सदाईश्वर्यपूर्ण सगवं स्वयं अयम ही इज भगवान स्वयं हिमसेल्फ चैतन्य महाप्रभु दैट सेम कृष्ण ही इज वट द ज्ञान इज कंसिडर्ड टू बी द एब्सोलूट ट्रूथ द रेज ऑफ दी उपनिषद स्पीक ऑफ ब्रह्मन यादाद्वैतम दैट नांदूल सफ नादाद्वैतम ब्रह्म उपनिषदि तदप्यसुभा what the upanishads are talking about chaitanya mahaprabhu is the tanubha the effulgence that the, that is him that brahman he is that and he is the paramatma and he is bhagwan in the first chapter of course mangalacharan is there and explaining the glories of gaur and nityananda and their purpose and so the chaitanya charitamrita is building in this way 1 chapter 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 he, what is he he is explained the principal members of the panchatattva the truth about them the truth about chaitanya mahaprabhu's appearance the significance of it what his purpose is and then how he came to write it and then he has to introduce the leela of chaitanya mahaprabhu that he's going to talk about and in order to introduce the leela he has to introduce all the players so he begins to introduce the players how by invoking a metaphor of a tree the tree of love of god and through the pen of krishna das kaviraj goswami chaitanya mahaprabhu speaks about his plight he came to the world to give love of god so he said he mahaprabhu says that i wanted to do good for others my name is vishwambar amar naam vishwambar chaitanya mahaprabhu at his birth was given the name vishwambar so what does it mean maintainer of the universe vishwambar who maintains the universe that is the work of vishnu to maintain the universe chaitanya mahaprabhu is vishnu but he is also more than vishnu he is krishna himself and in the mood of radha for that matter so how is he maintaining the world nourishing the world not in an ordinary way he says if i am to fulfill the implication of my name vishwambar i think i'll become a gardener i should become a gardener because to maintain people they need food so you have to grow something and how planted tree of love of god and now we feed everybody with the fruits of love of god and nurse their souls in this way then a full import of my name will be realized live up to the name that my good parents gave me vishwambar maintain the whole universe nourish the whole universe with love of god so i'll become a mali a gardener and i plant a seed of the tree of love of god in the form of madhavendra puri and then i get roots i want this tree to be well rooted i want to get so many sanyasis keshav bharati brahmananda puri paramananda puri keshav puri all the principal sanyasis for puri asset of chaitanya mahaprabhu's circle these are the roots so this tree of love of god is rooted in what it has a, some roots in detachment from this world there's another tree that's invoked by the by krishna in bhagavad gita a metaphor of the tree what is that chapter 15 ashvatha ashvatha what is the meaning of ashvatha different meanings but it means one thing it means it will not last till tomorrow what is that <laughs> that is everything around us because we say in our own language here today gone tomorrow so that is a different tree this tree is upside down krishna says in bhagavad gita 15th chapter if you know this tree you know everything and he says and you have to cut this tree down at the same time its roots are upwards and its branches are down he says its rooted means the material world is rooted in brahman in the spiritual reality what is this is a shakti of brahman manifesting on the downside material nature and is very entangling the way out is through the veda so the various branches represent the veda which represent different prospects and possibilities in life which you can get dharma artha kama and moksha and when you come to the conclusion of what the tree is about then you you seek moksha so with the axe he says of detachment you have to cut that that tree down but there there's another tree like we have the roots in the middle brahman one tree coming down the reflection the prophet said where do we have any experience in his commentary in gita where do you have where do we have any experience of an upside down tree so you go to the river 
then you'll see the reflection. So if the reflection is there, then the reality must be there. So there's a tree of love of God also. And we should become entangled in that. And it roots, the roots of Brahman. So Mahaprabhu put as the roots so many sannyasis, self-realized souls. He said that those branches and fruits of love of God taller than the tallest redwood. It's rooted in detachment. You have to leave behind the one side to enter there. Not just by getting some information. That's why Prabhupada used to like to reply sometimes to his disciples' inquiries about the spiritual world. They'd ask some technical question about Rasa Tattva and Prabhupada characteristically would say, why don't you go there and find out? In other words, I've given you what you need to go there. Why don't you do that? We don't need to change anything. What he gave was perfect. No need to change. But we may need to change and think about it from a different angle so we understand what it is that he gave. <laughs> so sweet fruits in a tall tree of love of God. So many possibilities there in the spiritual sky. But it's rooted in Brahman self-realization. So, so many sannyasis, he said, are the roots. And then uh, on the main trunk, he said, I become the tree myself, actually. And two made main branches, Advaita Nityananda. So we have Sri Chaitanya, Advaita Nityananda, all of Vishnu, Tattva. And then, so, uh, then principal branches uh, from there, Godadhar, Srivas Adi, and so many other innumerable branches and innumerable fruits. And while most trees are stationary, this one moves. It's alokik, very, very wonderful, otherworldly. And he says that, that my, I'm thinking my tree will be so big and it will have so many fruits. And I, now I, have, I will have a problem how to give them out everywhere. My idea is to circulate them everywhere. Because I want to fulfill my, the import of my name, Vishwambhar. So it means he needs help in this. He wants to give the fruit and he asks you to give the fruit. In this context, he says this. This is the Pramana verse from Bhagavatam. That uh, Pramana means evidence. It's like if you're a lawyer, you cite your book for evidence. So in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna Kaviraj will give a statement in Bengali. And then he'll cite a verse from Bhagavatam for Pramana. Here's the evidence. So he says in Bengali, Bharata Bhumite Hoyla Manusya Janma. Who's from Bharat? India. Born in India. This is a literal meaning. In a human birth, Bharat Bhumite, in that land of Bharat, Manusya Janma, with human birth, Bharat Bhumite Hoyla Manusya Janma Jar, Janma Sartha Kori Kar Par Upakar, Kar Par Upakar. People, they should take advantage of this and understand the heritage, the spiritual heritage of India, and do parupakar for others. Parupakar means the supreme uh, welfare work, the supreme giving. Like the trees are giving the whole life, it means you should give the whole life to this. Don't hold back. Give the whole life to this. And if you give your whole life to this, then you can really give people everything they want. You can give them the knowledge that they don't need all the things that they want on the one side. And what they didn't know that they wanted, what, what escaped them through their busy life was that all they wanted was happiness and love and it was available without going anywhere, all in one place. Prabhupada said, Oh, Mahaprabhu has spoken this verse to Indians. But he said, it's been transferred to my American students. <laughs> he, was, he was, at that point, he was a little dissatisfied with the response he got from India. He says, this verse has been transferred to the, my Western disciples. Who's ever born in the West, <laughs> they should understand the truth of Bhagavad Gita and, and do parupakar everywhere all over the world. Make my name known in every town and village. They should do this. So he cites as his pramana, Krishna's Kaviraj, when he says this. This is from Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam is saying this. And Krishna is using the example of the tree, how it's dedicated to others. So we, this way we should try to see the world, God consciousness and Krishna consciousness. Krishna consciousness is all around us. Sometimes we think it's only in our group. It's not in any other group. Prabhupada was once asked by one of his godbrothers, 
that you've taught your disciples in such a way that they can only get Krishna consciousness from you? He said, yes. And he said, but that's not true. Prabhupada said, yes. So he said, that could be a problem in, in the future. And Prabhupada said, no, you see, my disciples are like, like a seed. I've planted a tree. And then in the beginning of that planting, you have to build a fence around the tree. Just like when we grow some vegetables here, then we may have to put some net over that so the birds don't come and take the seeds before they get a chance to grow. So some protection has to be there. So I said, I, I planted the seed of this tree and I built a fence around it so that it will grow in a healthy way. Hear from me, get a proper understanding. But if they hear from me properly, consistently, and they hear pay attention, understand what I'm saying, then what will happen? The tree will grow. And what happens when the tree grows? Automatically it overflows the fence. So now we should not go run everywhere and think, I'm, I'm overflowing the fence. <laughs> it will come naturally in its own course, and you will understand then how to take advantage of Krishna consciousness wherever it is. But first you have to understand what it is. Therefore you should hear consistently in one place and understand what it is. And what it is, is it is hard in many respects, is about what's being discussed here, this example of the trees. It's about self-sacrificing and giving. So try to incorporate that into your life in a practical way. See that the chanting that we do, it, it's bearing at least this kind of fruit. Because that fruit, that, that will beget real fruits of love of God. Krishna has said elsewhere, that those people who worship me, the deity, very nicely, but they don't care about other people. I don't accept their worship. We find people like they may worship the deity very nicely, but they don't care about other people. Other people are demons. They think they have nothing to learn from anybody, only from the book. Actually, we can learn from everywhere, from everyone. If we're really interested, then Krishna is speaking to us from all corners, from all sides, from all directions, as we began here. In all ten directions... He spoke to his friends. Let this go everywhere, be known everywhere. Sacrificing for the sake of others in whatever capacity, with greater knowledge, of course, uh, the greater the knowledge, the greater the sacrifice. When we understand it's we that are be on the, to be offered on the altar, not just our possessions, but ourself. There's a heart surgery on ourself that has to take place. As we understand that, then the, the, the quality of the sacrifice increases. But this is how the world works. This is the secret of the whole world, Krishna is teaching here. The whole thing revolves around sacrifice. I mean, that's how you gain. That's how you progress. That's how you get what you need by giving, by sacrificing. And that's why people don't get what they need, really. I mean, in other words, they don't get the satisfaction that they want from their efforts involved in getting and acquiring. They're not satisfied. Because the secret is satisfaction comes from giving, not from getting. So this is the operative. The, the, the whole world, this is how it functions, how the whole thing works. So you have to now use this key. Try it. And according to your understand, the measure of your understanding, give. And if you know where the center is, give there. Give yourself. Here Krishna says your words. Speak about that. If you hear from somebody and you know he knows, then you speak about that. Go to him, you tell your friend. Go to him. Like Prabhupada, you, you, so many sadhus used to come to Prabhupada's father's house. Uh, so many people in the dress of sadhus. That Prabhupada lost faith in sadhus because some of them were, many of them were not sadhus. But one friend said, no, this is a different person I want you to come in here. And Prabhupada was so reluctant. He had seen so many so-called sadhus. He said, ah, listen to the sadhus. Like in Mathura. What will your father say? Ah, the Babaji's nonsense. Be listen to them. But no, it's real sadhu. This is the real sadhu. Prabhupada was reluctant, but he went by the force of his friend. What a friend! Friend brought him to Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur, and hearing from him once, Prabhupada could understand. Oh, now I understand something about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission, and I know it's in good hands. But at that day, he, decided, he, he said, I'm not, this is my guru. He got initiated later, but on that day, he could understand, this is my guru. There's a real sadhu. He went everywhere, telling people about Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. When everybody, anybody said, oh, you've done great work, he said, that is only the mercy of my Gurudev. He asked me to preach in a Western country, print books. 
I'm doing that. Or a place, a person, a place, a book. You hear about it, it's good. Then you tell other people, come here, take advantage of this. With your words, Krishna said, with your intelligence, you're intelligent, you study the books, listen to the discussions, and try to understand them. Use the full measure of your intelligence and give up sense gratification. <laughs> that is the full measure of intelligence. Not how many, uh, uh, how much programming you can do or engineering and all these things. <laughs> Therefore, probably used to say, people more educated themselves, he used to call them what? Fool number one. <laughs> Such a... Such a, uh, it's charming. It's just so, uh, fool number one. He's smoking a cigarette. He cannot control his, uh, his own tongue. And he, and he has a big, big degree. What is this? <laughs> so you cannot say that Krishna consciousness doesn't call for our, using our intelligence. It does. Interaction with the objects of the senses produces misery. Think about that. <laughs> Study Bhagavad Gita in this regard and you'll be convinced. That's yeah, true. It actually, it's actually true. It does. Of course, now, Krishna doesn't teach us, therefore, now, give this all up right now. He's a very good teacher. So he tells Arjuna how to go about it gradually according to his eligibility and the level of his faith and and so forth. But use your intelligence in Krishna consciousness, he says here. Use your words, your intelligence, your wealth, your earning, and your life. Well, there's a some gradation there. Obviously, your life means all of those other things as well. So start to give from your words, your intelligence, and your life will get consumed. This is the message. So this I wanted to speak about a little bit in relation to sending you down to see those trees. Are there any questions? Yes. Mood of what? Uh huh. Like Krishna dressed as if he was in the forest. Um, yeah. Krishna wears a turban in the forest, in Vrindavan, not like a crown, in Dwarka, or Mathura. He wears a turban. It's more uh, more uh, relaxed and intimate, and a garland of forest flowers. And Yeah, so it's possible to dress the deities in that mood, so to speak. And did you find it attractive? Very attractive. Then? <laughs> no problem. Uh, I was just wondering if it was such a common way of making up the deities that you might segue from speaking about a tree to the, the mood of the forest, if there was an interesting point to make. Well, the mood of the forest, of course, is the forest is Vrindavan, so the mood is very different from the city, Mathura, and Dwarka. Krishna's Leela in Vrindavan is is where Krishna him, himself forgets that he's he's God. So that is our whole objective, to enter into that aspect of Krishna Leela. We are not interested in Dwarka Leela or Mathura Leela only as much as they complement the Vrindavan Leela by indirectly shedding light on its beauty and charm its significance. Krishna left Vrindavan ostensibly for the purpose of teaching us what is the measure of the love of the inhabitants of Vrindavan, who never forgot him after a hundred years. Gopis never married anybody else. Or so we see like that. The whole thing is centered around Vrindavan. So Krishna's Mathura Lila, Dwarka Lila, they are only as valuable as they're reflecting light on the glory of, of Vrindavan. So that is the Krishna we're interested in, Krishna of the Brajlila. And also, it, it represents the fact that the, the, the beauty of simplicity and the wealth and the richness of the natural environment compared to an artificial environment. In many ways, it, it can be 
talked about. Those are lower ways in actually of talking about it. The high idea is, of course, that there, in that environment, Krishna, as I say, forgets that he's God, so the intimacy of the Vrindavan relationship where the coward boys will wrestle with Krishna and defeat him, Mother Yasoda will chastise him, and Radharani will tell him, get away, and he'll cry, or he'll be, he'll go mad and tell Subala, help me, make some arrangement. <laughs> How can I get her to come here? This kind of thing. Seeing Krishna in that situation, that is very charming because he is the Param Brahma, the Supreme Brahman. Yanmitram Paramanandam. What is that verse? Puna Brahma Sanatana. Aho Bhagya, Aho Bhagya. Nanda Gopa Brajokasham. Yanmitra Paramananda Puna Brahma Sanatana. Brahma is saying, Oh, how lucky. Aho Bhagya, Aho Bhagya. Oh, how lucky, oh, how lucky are the people, Nanda and the people of Vrindavan. Aho Bhagyam, Aho Bhagyam, Nanda Gopa Brajokasham. Yanmitram Paramanandam. Purna Brahma Sanatanam. That Purna Brahma Sanatanam, the eternal, supreme, full Brahman, Yanmitram Paramanandam, who's the Paramananda, the supreme joy, he's mixing with them, like Mitra, like a friend. Just like a friend. I mean, just like a friend. It's hard to understand. <laughs> just like a friend. Just like you sit down with a friend of yours who you're close with and just joke. <laughs> tell a joke and you can kick your feet up and with with the Purna Brahma, the Paramananda. Everybody's looking for a drop of joy. This is this is the supreme reservoir of joy itself, personified. And you know, poking him with your elbow and telling jokes and this is what Brahma is saying. Yanmitram Paramananda this is their position. What is the, he said, what is the position of those people? He says, what can Krishna give them? There's nothing he can give them. Their position is so great. Therefore, he just gives himself. And they can do whatever they want with him. What an extraordinary idea. This is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is teaching about. This is the charm of the Vrindavan forest. And we should enter that forest. Never come out. The dark forest of Krishna. <laughs> Krishna means dark. Enter there. But dark like a sapphire that gives light. It's a dark mystery, but there's light in there. It's very wonderful. Illuminating. Sri Krishna Bhagavan ki jai. Siman Mahaprabhu ki jai. Sri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Bhaktavinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi.